The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. In order to feel better about ourselves and live the life we really want to manifest, we have to own up to our difficult feelings and self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. We all enter this world naked, and now it's time to feel good naked, no matter what your body size or your life circumstances. This is Feel Good Naked Radio, and your host is Lar Redmond. On this program, Lar will help you become more embodied, self-empowered, and mindful to take charge of whom you really are and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Laura Redmond. <clears throat> Welcome to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and I am devoted to bringing you information every week that is given to you as a roadmap to be more embodied, more connected, more joyful, and more happy in this life that we're here to live whatever time we have on the planet. I also want to thank you for your feedback and the fact that you reach out to me. I get all of your emails and I'm grateful for them. And anyone who's listening, wherever you're located in the world, please join us on Feel Good Naked Radio. We're on Instagram as well as Facebook. And it's a great way to stay connected um, no matter where you live. Today we're going into a very deep soulful place around the idea of embodiment and I'm really excited to have been able to get Rochelle Sheik on my show. I've followed her work for years, I've enjoyed watching her videos on Vimeo for years and um, it's just a real joy for me. I, I have very few people that I look up to in this world of mind, body, soul, but Rochelle would be one of them. Rochelle, Sh- R- R- let me try with that name. It's a hard one for me, but I'm going to do it well. Okay. Rochelle Chic loves to move in her body and around the world. She started dancing as a young girl growing up in Minnesota until she was summoned by the call of adventure. Her love of movement and the desire to explore life's meaning compelled her to spend the last 15 plus years traveling around the world as a student and teacher to places throughout North and South America, Europe, Africa, India, Southeast Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. Rochelle began instructing various yoga styles for all ages and abilities, several dance modalities, and Nia. In the last 10 plus years, she has led over 4,000 movement classes, facilitated hundreds of private sessions, and taken women on over 20 retreats to six different continents. Her next stop is Antarctica. Her passion to explore the emerging essence of the feminine in her own life and then in movement, coupled with her experience as a personal trainer, certified massage therapist, shamanic energy healer, 
and her degree in interdisciplinary fine arts have all influenced her creation of the movement system Goya. Goya is based on the idea that through movement we remember. We remember our essence is wise, wild, and free. Rochelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. And you're located in the east coast of the USA right now, is that correct? My home base is a very cozy little cottage in Woodstock, New York right now. I travel so much that when I come home, I love to be a little bit like a hermit. Yeah, I understand that. I think when we give our energy to people, as you and I both do, it's really important to go deep within to find the language that we need to identify within ourselves. Because in this work, we're always doing the work, each of us. Yes, I completely agree. And it's so much of the work of honoring the body is honoring the feminine values, whether you're, you know, whatever your gender identity is. And so just like at the end of the day, when we go to bed to sleep, to rest, which gives us the energy to rise with the sun and go out in the world, it's really giving us those, those bigger cycles of when we're going out and traveling and sharing and to have also that time to go in and, and hopefully find a really beautiful balance of harmony because I know that the deeper that I go within myself, the more clarity I have in my offerings that I give. So it's like that um, evolution of instead of giving from a place of martyrdom that we give and restore and nurture ourselves so deeply that all that we give is such an overflow and that I really love these situations anytime we can have the highest good of all involved. And I also think with that said that one of the hardest things for many women to do is to be quiet, to really drop into that soul voice that each of us have, but it can be very muted by all the obligations, all of the ways that we give out our energy without going deep within to hear what it is we really need to hear, the most important voice of all. I completely agree. I often say the biggest luxury that we ever have is time. And I love yeah. leading retreats for women because it's really, you know, we go to beautiful places and, you know, we do the Koya movement practices and there's healthy food and there's great community. But the thing that we're really gifting ourselves is some sacred moments to reflect on what has happened, to be present with what is now, and to, and to take some time to really feel into what is really calling us forward. And I always think of it sometimes like there's a momentum tunnel on the highway And it's just this, you know, land of probability. If I just keep doing this at this pace, this is what will likely happen. But a lot of the miracles and magic that we experience in our life are sometimes when we can slow down enough to see this exit sign that can take us in in an expansion of the vision that we might have based on probability. Uh, It's very well said. I want to ask you right off the bat, when you're in these retreats and workshops or you're working with women one-on-one, When you look at this work and you give language to what you find is keeping women from being their full embodied selves, does anything come to mind as a common thread that you've noted within the feminine that is a very definite stuck place that women go and up find themselves? Is there a thread or would you say that it's different 
every time you find a woman's truth and help her get free from that which keeps her from being happy, embodied, or joyful? Yes, I would say that the majority of the time, the thing that really holds women back from an embodied life, the words I use that is wise, wild, and free, is doubt. And so a lot of the work that I do is getting women to have a safe, sacred place to explore whatever that authentic expression is. So when I use the words wise, wild, and free, wise is about having access and trust to that inner wisdom. So how do, how do we have access? How do we get in to that wisdom that's inside of us? And then once we hear it, how do we trust it? Wild for me is not like girls gone wild. For me, wild is really this ability to express versus repress. So we all know those moments where our truth bubbles up and it's like, no, I'm not going to say anything. And, and, it's, and, and if we go deeper into that, what is the belief system that we have about ourselves and the world that there's not space for our truth? So a lot of times we explore that physical sensation through movement to the way that when you're having an honest conversation with someone that you trust and that has earned your trust, that you can start to find what is that authentic expression to the body. Because just, you know, like if you look at a child and the way that they move, it's so animated and expressive and, and interactive. And if you look at like a, a grown human being, you'll see a lot of rigidity. But mostly is what I see is I see a lot of patterns. I see a lot of things that aren't necessarily the authentic expression of self, but just the conditioning. So how do we start to break out of the conditioning? And so, you know, in Koya, there's 13 pillars. One of them is free dance. So I always tell people, they're like, I don't, I don't want to just dance. I was like, it's, it's like one song. It's three minutes. The rest is, is structured. You'll be fine. But this free dance is, is also offering movement as metaphor. You know, where in your life do you have these inhibitions? You know, where do you feel disconnected from the music and the moment and, and to just really be exactly where you are, thinking about what other people think or think, you know, this or that. Like your movement here is how you practice so that the next time you need to have a courageous conversation with someone you're in relationship with, the next time you have a brilliant work idea, the next time you need to stand for like what school your child's going to be in, that you have this courage to step outside of what is programmed of what is expected into what is true. And so that leads us into freedom. And so the freedom is really expanding your capacity to actually enjoy yourself and your body. And it's just a really simple idea that what you look for is what you see. So if you look for that, you're more often to find it. And most of us, the way that we look at our bodies is sometimes of obligation and annoyance. So a simple cue in a Koya class will be, you know, is there anything you can do right now so that it feels a little bit better to be in your body right now? might be moving slower. It might be breathing deeper. It might be doing a completely different movement than the one that I offered you. But, like, can you find that? And then when you find that place that actually feels good, instead of following the thoughts in your mind, can you follow the feeling in your body? And mm-hmm. so you practice. And you practice, again, everything is about getting women to trust themselves deeply and overcome the doubt And I would say the doubt, the thing that's helped me the most with doubt is to realize that from working with all these women, thousands and thousands of women over 10, 15 years, is that this is something that is not, there's nothing wrong with any of us. 
like we don't have these individual faults that need to be overcome. This is a collective inheritance of doubt, mm. you know, and, and you would, and you can just see it in society. You can see it in laws. You can see in the way that rape cases are treated, that there is an inherent systematic doubt of women. You can see it in like, if you're, if a woman is emotional, it's like, you're crazy. You're a bitch. It's that time of the month that like our sensitivity and our emotional power is, societally distrusted so the doubt is just part of this it's not that we don't need to doubt ourselves because there's something wrong with us so for me I constantly just have given myself over to the experiment of living a life based on trusting myself and at the end of it if it was like Rochelle you totally messed everything up you were totally supposed to acquiesce to everyone and everything around you you were just supposed to be a martyr. You weren't supposed to tune into yourself and notice how you actually felt and be honoring of that. You messed up your life. I feel I, that's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> I'm willing yeah. to be completely wrong about this, to be on the side of history that says I experimented to honor my own life. No matter what that is. Yeah. To yeah. Just, it's like, for me, it's really been about redefining success. Instead of success being my expectations got met. I did this, and I thought that was going to happen. Success is the moment for me when I made a decision that was true, that was authentic with my heart, my soul, my mind, my being, that I did not go against myself. And when I make a decision, come what may, the fact that I made the decision honoring myself was a success. Mm, that's so powerful because, you know, it's easy to stay stuck in the past wishing, wishing that you had done something differently but the past no longer exists and the present becomes this opportunity, this rich, ripe opportunity for growth and healing. But in order to get there, you've got to release that self-blame and make a fierce commitment to self-love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the way you said that because it is a moment-to-moment experience. And I would say something that I believe very strongly for myself and when I'm holding space for others is all healing takes place in the present moment. So mm. whenever we enter and we're fully here, this like this moment, this choice, this thought, this action, right here, right now, this is where the healing is, right here. So every single moment offers that invitation. And it's and healing and being present and trying to manage shame and blame, which, by the way, everyone listening, we all have that. There's nothing that prevents that from happening, but you can release it and get rid of it and stop that inner critic and judgment. But to do that is hard work. It's not, it's not as if by wanting it, you will get there. You have to practice. You have to make a commitment to that every day that you're alive in order to get rid of everything that's holding you back. Yes, and I would say it's so amazing to live at this time where there's things like what you're offering and and this podcast and these conversations and there's the internet and there's all the books and there's all the courses. And so sometimes people can get overwhelmed but I would say whenever you're feeling on that precipice of, of healing, of improvement, of expansion, whatever it is, to really trust what calls you, you know, whether it's, you know, you know Google words, like think of a word, Google, you know, follow, follow that rabbit hole. If it's going to a bookstore and looking for the book that literally, like, you don't know why, it doesn't make sense, but it's just calling to you, 
you know, to really, really trust what calls you as the next step. And I would say so much of my work is I find that when you're living a life that's really aligned with soul, you don't get a strategic five-year plan. Like, it's just not necessarily, like, you know, some, some people... Some people feel that, and, and, I, and I bless them for that. But for me, it's like when you're following the path of soul is what every single person I guarantee has access to, you know what the next right step is. It might be yeah. I have to call and apologize to this person. It might be I need to take a day off work and, like, just sleep. It may be I need to commit to a 30-day exercise practice. It may be I need to join this book club. It may be I need to go on this trip that's been calling me for 18 years. Whatever it is, I guarantee every person listening to this and every person on the planet has complete 100% access to what is their next step. And I'm going to add to that because I think that next step for many is so scary because it may be that you have to unhook from your mother. It may be that you have to leave your marriage. It may be that you have to take a space with your child that means that you don't talk for a while. You know, these are big, sometimes for us, these are big monumental jumps off that mountain that can feel so scary and so fearfully induced that it paralyzes the ability to let the soul guide you. Yes, and, I, and I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, I was using examples that were a little bit more, like, accessible, but the truth is what you're saying, too, is that these are all connected, and if there's a deeper <clears throat> tangle that needs to get untangled, like, that, that could be our resistance because it's so big. And so one of the things that's so powerful about a lot of the women's work that I've been a part of or communities that I've been a part of is really rallying your support. And so support in lots of different realms. It could be your guardian angels, you know, Archangel Michael, you know, it could be um, close friends and family. It could be a spiritual community, but really, really knowing whether it's physically embodied people that you can have dinner with or talk to on the phone or if it's just sometimes for me when I need to make a big change, I'm thinking about a time when I was in an abusive relationship and I needed to get out of it and I knew I needed to get out of it, but I couldn't. I literally just felt like I couldn't and I couldn't do it for myself. Like I couldn't do it just because I needed to, but it's what I did is I always find this thing around my individual experience running parallel to the collective experience and I thought of collectively all the women on the planet that were in an abusive relationship that could not leave, whether they, and they really couldn't, whether it was finances, whether it was being exiled from their community, whether it was children. And I drew so much source as being part of that collective that I left the relationship, but I couldn't do it for myself. I left it because when I tuned into the collective compared to other situations, I knew that I could. Mm. So I was just really tuning in to everyone else that was in that situation. So like one of the things, like when we need to do that thing, it's like just really knowing we're not alone. I mean, there's like seven plus billion people on the planet. And as unique as our storylines feel, there's, you know, no one's exempt from the human experience. We are all moving through. So just like call on that, call on that, like send a prayer, like for everyone that's in the situation with me, like please support me in this moment as I gather the courage to do what I know in my heart, I must do. 
And know that you're not alone because, as you said, with the Internet and this show and many others that are out there, there is collective community that is standing next to you, holding you, giving you that courage, holding the space for you to find your own inner voice and courage. And when you really understand that, it gets back to the soul, trusting, trusting the voice of the soul and the direction of the soul's calling. You know, I I host this beautiful circle every year in January. It's called an intention circle. And this past Saturday was that very special day. And each year, the circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I ask everyone in the circle to pick one word, one word for the year that they want to hold, manifest, and to give them that power to do what they know inside must be done. And then each woman or man will say what that word is, and then each person goes around the circle, repeats that word back to them. It lands back on them, and then the word is sealed. It's their word. And mm. I I cannot believe the power of that circle. And, and what you just spoke about is how that circle group carries me every year when I'm on the bathroom floor, metaphorically, I will reflect on that circle. I will think of the faces. I will remember the feeling. And that's how you get through the hardest moments in life. So if you're out there feeling alone, you're not alone. Right here, we're with you. You've got a community right here. And I think that courage is something that we must remind people is present even if you're not blessed to be part of this circle or part of a class, mm. you can find it virtually. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that we can also find it in the truth of our own heart. You know, when we really, really, like, close our eyes and take a moment and take a breath, you know, we can really feel, you know, just all the hearts of people that, Maybe we've never met. Like, maybe someone's listening to this and maybe we've never met. But, like, when I pray, I'm praying for, for all of us that are feeling the call of our soul, for all of us that are healing. When I dance, I'm dancing for the interconnection of all beings. And there mm-hmm. are so many people that whenever they're praying, whenever they're doing any of their their rituals, whenever they're making offerings to the earth, whenever they're doing anything, they're saying, may all beings be blessed. And like that includes everyone. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> think, of, think of the millions of, of Buddhist monks who are praying, may all beings be happy and free. Yeah. It includes everyone. There's so many people praying for us that yes. we've never met. And like just to contemplate that for a second, that there's like, cheerleading squads that and and that's you know and and I'm very connected to what I perceive as you know the angelic realm which just it's sort of this idea there's a book angels in my hair which talks about one of the biggest problems in the world is unemployed angels because of free will angels can only intervene if you ask for their help so imagine just all these guardian angels around Hmm. each one of us just wanting to help but like if you don't ask for help they can't you know, it's like it's a big yeah. problem. So, like, asking guardian angels to come and face I tell people, you know, you can just experiment. A really fun way to do it is in travel, just saying, like, travel guardian angels, you know, please help my travels be filled with ease. 
you know, whatever it is that you need. And just notice. Just notice what happens. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I did this once, and I parked my car at JFK, but my flight I accidentally booked to LaGuardia. So I was going to have to, like, you know, after a long flight, go travel an hour in traffic to go to a different, it's going to be a whole thing. But I get to the airport, and my flight is delayed to LaGuardia, and I'm like, oh, no, and it's like, it's all sort of a time-sensitive thing, and I just trade, prayed to the Travel Guardian Angels, and I go up, and I was like, hi, um, you know, I noticed the flight's delayed, and is there any other options? They're like, well, we do have a flight going to JFK that leaves at the same time if you're willing to switch and I was like, oh, that's no problem at all. <laughs> it was like a miracle. I was like, a, I was like, what is going on right now? But I, I found that when I call on help, that that happens. And then I'll offer one more thing here. It's a little, it's a little trippy, but if, if, if you've seen the movie Interstellar, it's like this thing when synchronicity or magic happens where he basically goes off in the space shuttle. This is Matthew McConaughey. And he ends up in the fifth dimension. And so it kind of cuts between his experience and the third dimension of this physical, tangible, touchable reality. And basically is what is revealed is that the synchronicities and blessings that are happening to him are coming from his own consciousness in the fifth dimension. Mm. So, so basically sometimes I say to people, like, if you don't want to get, like, in a religious, spiritual, whatever, you know, like, if you have any resistance to that, which I, you know, because some people do is that imagine when you're praying to a guardian angel, you're actually just praying to your own consciousness in another dimension. Like the, the part of you that's outside of time that is like source, like that you're praying to your own essence that is awake in your human awareness that is still human. <laughs> so for me, I mean, it's, it's a little trippy, but I, I, like, I like offering anything that will help people feel supported. And for some people, that is like the magic switch. So the most important thing I find with all these things is what resonates in truth in your own heart. And, and we know that, and that's why I'm so passionate about Koya, is I believe we know that through the body. So we just oh, know, I, we yep. get, yeah, we get the like goosebumps when something's really true. And we get like a gut, like, I got to get out of here when we feel like something's off. So of course, there are like, um, from our trauma and from other things, there can be things that inhibit the effectiveness of that system. So there are many practices that help clear that. But I, I really, really stand for the belief that we know when something is true and resonates in our body and to stay in alignment with that. Boy, is that great. You know, I was thinking a moment ago what you were saying that I love the idea that the point of meditation or silence or prayer is not to suppress your feelings, but to make friends with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I believe that is that part of really tapping in. And when you move, whether it's through um, the dancing or the yoga or walking, your body is saying so many things at every second that you are in movement. It doesn't, you can't suppress the feelings, the thoughts, or the messages if you are moving, because the movement does ignite. It, it fires off that cellular experience that is your greatest voice to tap into. I completely agree. I feel like movement is one of the most effective, accessible, and also in terms of all the sort of practices that you're going to do, 
to connect with yourself, to connect with your heart. I just find you get the most out of your investment. Like if we were doing like a cost-benefit analysis, the highest ROI return on investment, I feel, is movement. Because it's like you get that mental clarity, you get that physical circulation, the blood of oxygen, of energy. You get that emotional release. You get that endorphin high. You get that... um, that also that sensual where I just, I mean like literally like your senses, like your instead of just your mind and its interpretation of your senses, you activate your senses and your direct experience of how does the sound feel? How does the air in my skin feel? How does, you know, what am I looking at? Like, like just your body becomes so much more alive when you're moving it versus like when you're sitting. So I really, really find that exactly like you said, like the body... When, when it's in movement, it's incredibly honest. It's incredibly effective. Yes. Yes. So let's say you're in a workshop situation or you're in a classroom environment and you being the leader that you are can feel a woman's body shut down, scared to death to move, her breath being very hollow, what would be a way that you would facilitate and guide her to the first moments of allowing that sort of unfolding? Mm. Yes. I would say when this has happened, to just offer people something like it's very, very normal to feel a lot of intensity. It's also very normal to feel some numbness. So whatever you're feeling or not feeling, breathe into it because the capacity that you have to breathe is the capacity that you have to feel. So whenever you're ready to feel a little bit more, breathe a little bit more deeply. So really just bringing people into the breath and bringing them into the moment and offering a lot of permission that whatever they're feeling or not feeling, it's just being where you are and that's where we start. And in Koya, we talk a lot about there's no way you can do this wrong. And the way you know you're doing it right is that it feels good. And not that it feels good like you're getting a massage, although I hope that it does feel that good but it feels good because it feels honest. So if someone is having a really difficult time, you know, them having this full expression and this really expansive, expressive movement through their body may not be what's honest right now. And that concaving into the chest, you know, maybe that is actually the most healing thing to just breathe into the body's desire to fall into itself. And that's okay. You know, and if they just give themselves a moment to not judge it, shame it, make it wrong, and it's like where there's just honest space to just be where you are and feel how you feel, oftentimes it's like, you know, that feel it to heal it. When you feel it, that is the pathway in, which is also the pathway out. But the goal isn't getting out. The goal is really just whatever's honest. Yeah. And... And so just the thing that I really am passionate about when I'm leading Koi teacher training, because I've trained about 300 teachers in this modality, is really making sure that there is a transmission of that, that any time a woman comes into a Koi experience, 
that she feels if she is in her ecstatic joy and celebration of the most amazing thing that's happened, or if she is in deep sorrow and grief, that all these women can show up and have completely different experiences and share the space and just be where they are and feel how they feel. And that that's what, that's what we're holding and creating. And it's a metaphor. Movement, for me, with Koya is a metaphor. It's really going back to that idea, like in your life, Instead of this idea that there's a right way and a wrong way, that the point of life is to live it, is to mm. experience it, is to be with it, to, to be it, to really let life come through you, to let life dance with you as you dance with life. Instead of this like mental construct of fear that we're always doing everything wrong. To make the commitment, and, to make the commitment. Yeah. And the, the commitment to this work is oftentimes might show up with big tears and flowing crying. I mean, I know it's it's often in my practice when people will just start weeping and crying and they don't know why. And my my greatest sadness is when they say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I, I don't I don't know why I'm crying. And I often will say, cry, cry, let those tears flow, because that creates an opening somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's really, really common for many, many women to cry in Koya, and it can be confusing as a beginner, like, all we're doing is circling, like, circle your head to the right, circle your head to the left, circle your shoulders up, back, and around, and tears will be falling down. And um, a big thing with Koya is also music, and I say that music is our co-teacher, because Oftentimes, I'll choose music that vibrationally, but also with the lyrics, instructs. So more than me saying, everything's going to be okay, don't worry. You know, I'm, I'm teaching a Koya class tonight, and I'll choose a song like, Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, child, things will be brighter. And I'm not saying anything with my words, but more than me saying it, the song is saying it. And women will just feel this. They'll feel the vibration of the song. They'll feel the sentiment. They'll feel the intentionality that I'm playing that song, trying to just soothe any of the fears of the big amounts of change that are happening at this time. And they're happening so fast. And so it's like, for a lot of us, I think that a lot of this work has maybe been a hobby, something when we have time. And I love the emphasis that you keep bringing about commitment because it's not a hobby anymore. It is absolutely necessary that we know how to come back to the truth of ourselves, that we can navigate these incredible, quick changes that are happening inside of us and outside of us. And being open to the fact that it's not always comfortable. It's not always easy or a reward, and the reward will come, but I also think that's how to help someone on the path when it's really scary and the fear is strangling you or that bathroom floor analogy. Stay Mm -hmm. with it. Stay with it because, ooh, child, it will get better, but it has to be that you work through the conditioning or the voice or the ways that your heart has shut down. And it's now opening. It's opening because you're feeling, you're moving, you're breathing. You are in your body, and you deserve to be. Mm, yes, and, and I think the thing with that is that sometimes it's, I've gotten criticism 
before with Koya saying, there's no way you can do it wrong. The way you know you're doing it right is that it feels good. And more than feeling good, that it feels true. With people saying, you know, but it is hard and you have to do this. And I was like, you know, most things in life, I feel like when you look at them more closely are a paradox. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I'm saying it feels good, it's not the superficial, like it feels good, like I'm getting thoughts. It feels good because it's honest. And I think for most points of people, when they're on that bathroom floor analogy, like you mentioned, you get to a place where something is so difficult that the only thing that is harder is not doing it. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like where it feels good because the alternative feels worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's like, yeah, you know, a lot of times there are times I wish I would have made certain decisions differently sooner, but for many times it was like, you know, it just got to that point where the only thing harder than than making that decision was not. Yeah. And sometimes you have to be, I believe, in the darkness longer than you might want to be to figure out that little baby streak of light that is pulling you to the truth, which will ultimately set you free. I also think, by the way, with respect to what you're saying, that the reason Liz Gilbert's book, Eat, Pray, Love, and now Glennon Doyle Melton's book, Love Warriors, are so powerful and are reaching so many millions of women's consciousness is because they are willing to put out there the struggle that is common for all of us. We all have to find that struggle and make peace with the fact that it is part of that roadmap to the freedom, to the embodiment. And by knowing it in someone else's story, there's a reason everyone is resonating with that difficulty. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I wrote a book. It's called Koya, Compass for Navigating an Embodied Life that is Wise, Wild, and Free. And uh, Eat, Pray, Love was a huge catalyst for me and for many women in that truth-telling on the paper. And how much that story liberated me, it was like, you know, I was crying. I was in a relationship where I was crying myself to sleep for two years. I hadn't even told any of my close friends. Some of my friends loved my partner. And it was like just her telling that story and just saying it out loud, it like just opened up so much space. So in my own book, it was very, it was very, very difficult, but I was very honest about those moments and not pretending like, here's the highlight reel of my life. It's like, it's more like moment by moment, here's the times where I really, really struggled and here's how I got through. And when you look back on that story now, Rochelle, what what do you think in that journey for you, where did your heart shut down to the point where you were allowing that to be your reality when it was going against the grain of your own soul? Is it was it not knowing it until you knew it, or was it an illusion? Mm. Well, it's interesting because as you asked me that question now, I can really see the divine timing in it. And maybe it doesn't have to be divine timing, maybe it can just be the timing in it. Like all those struggles, you know, like the roughness that needs to beat against a stone for it to turn to a diamond, like it really deepened my compassion. It really deepened 
my forgiveness. It really deepened my depth, you know. Like, so, so all that struggle really served me. Like, it really served me, and it's so uncomfortable to admit that because the next time I'm going to be struggling, I don't, you know, I want it to go away because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but this is, um, this is the dance, and I think it's also the emotional maturity to, to really trust. But I, I do think the thing that's liberated me the most from those experiences and, and now is if I can just ask myself, what am I learning here? What is the gift here? It might not go away right away, but if I can stay conscious and present, because I think there's a really big difference between conscious suffering and unconscious suffering. Mm-hmm. And it's like if I can just stay awake, I can just have my eyes open and my heart open. And, and at the same time, you know, those, those moments in the past when I couldn't, I felt like, I mean, basically, here's how, here's how I remember that and how I see it in others. It's just when outer voices are louder than the inner voice. Mm. It's like that's when I'm the most lost, when the outer voice is louder than the inner voice. And that gets back to the quiet and dropping into the inner voice and creating a meditative or a, a prayer time within your day, every day, to really mm-hmm. find find that voice or when in movement to allow that voice to come through, even if it's through tears, but to be awake to that very conscious very conscious voice that may not be what you want to hear and may not be what you are wanting to have to go through, but it is the honesty and that soul calling that is the pathway to embodiment and joy. Yes. And I would say too, what's coming to mind is when, when it feels that that voice is telling you something to do that is very, very difficult or very hard is, you know, to just say, like, can you please make it clear? Can you please let there be some synchronicity? Can you please like, send someone into my life to help me with it. You know, that it doesn't, you know, I think a lot of us were operating from, you know, the hero's journey of like, I have to go this alone. I must slay the dragons. I must carry the sword. And and I just want to offer up that from a feminine perspective, that there can also be this, like, for me, I'll just say for myself, my prayer is like, listen, if you make it clear I will, I will do, like, I will offer my life in service to this path, to this turning of the ages from fear to love. Like, I will offer myself fully. And when Koya came to me, it was, I was literally having this mountaintop moment where I was on a pilgrimage in Peru, and I got to the top of the mountain, and I just said from the most sincere center of my heart, if you tell me what to do and it's clear, I will do it. I will give my life to be of service. I will surrender my ego and what feels like it's going to like, you know, be the most, you know, fabulous thing. I will surrender my ideas, what I want, if it's clear. So I think like we can ask for that clarity. And then I got so much clarity, like just on, like just the, the synchronicities that like, I can never doubt Koya. Like, someone else could come and say, like, show me this book, this thing called Koya, and it's, like, the exact same thing, and someone else in the world wrote it two years before I did. They could show it to me and be like, you copy this, and it would never resonate because I was like, I know the depths of my soul, and I can tell you all these things, and that's what I really wish for us 
is to feel this depth of connection to our own life where we can't even doubt because there's just so much harmony between our inner experience and our outer experience. But I have found in my own life that sometimes I have to ask. I have to call it in. I have to co-create. And um, instead of just being a victim or just being like a passive surrenderer to whatever's around me, like it's really like engaging with life. Well, I call it the work because it is. It's active. It's it's engaging. It's asking. It's finding. It isn't passive. Sometimes it's quiet or soulful or there's a serenity, but it is not something that just happens. You have to be it. You have to find it. And that is, I think, where we are facilitators on the journey, as many others are, to help people do the work, which is giving yourself the life that you deserve. Mm, yeah, I, lo- I love the way you said that. Mm, I, I have a question. When you think of the word, I love wild, wise, and free. I think those three words together are like a big, yummy cake. What mm-hmm. is freedom? I want you to tell me in this very moment today in your life, what does freedom mean to you? Mm, freedom in this moment is truth and truth for me is love and love for me is a combination of action and surrender and that for me is trust and trust is faith and faith is being and being is oneness Mm -hmm. so my my ultimate freedom is when I am healed of the perception of being separate and experience my own life as the one heartbeat and the one pulse and the one prayer and the one breath. Mm, Yeah. What is something that you have changed your mind about over the last year? Mm, I think something that I've changed my mind about is really this idea of it's really uncomfortable but it's really around projecting um, judgment onto others so I feel that the thing that I've changed my mind about is I've really it's it's it, it, it's simple and it's complex but there's this this idea that let's say I was perceiving something out there in the world as being negative that I have in the last year really rededicated to what is the thing within me. So I was in a shamanic workshop and it was like take the number one problem that you think that there is in our country right now and it was greed. It was like, okay, now everyone do a ceremony to honor the, the greed that you have within yourself. And so it was like just honoring those parts of myself that like, yeah, I always want more and, and I want more in many ways so that I can give more, but I also, yeah, there's a mechanism in me that always like, yeah, like so grateful this, I want more and, and, and just honoring, just honoring it, being awake to it, not pretending it's not there. And so I found that like a lot of the teachings of great teachers to, to forgive and, and not to judge. 
and and to really just stay within the things that I can control with it, which is myself. And so I think the thing that I've changed my mind about is is just so like I I know this, I believe it, but I've in the last year have been trying to do more to to do the work inside. Yeah. And you brought up judgment, which I think really is one of the most common things that we all get stuck doing or thinking. And then when you really look at that judgment, it's a mirror. It's something that's that's inside of you that drives you crazy probably about yourself, but you haven't realized the link between the judgment and your own journey. Yeah, and it's, it's painful, and it's also tricky in conversations like this in communities because it's not meant to be another way that we um, feel bad about ourselves. Like, oh, I messed up. I was so judgmental or, you know, that person's such a jerk. Actually, I'm the jerk. It's like it's not, it's actually not like that at all. It's meant to be really empowering because we can't control the other person, but we can use it as an opportunity to evolve and grow within ourselves. And once we get that gift out of that situation, then we can be like a so much service, so, so much service there. So it's, it's all very dynamic and dance-like. And I really love Koya for that, of really getting it in the body and, and dancing with those things that are, they're not so, they're not so stagnant. They're not so literal because in our mind, if we really just go at this topic through the mind, it's not really it. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like getting into the intelligence of the body and of the emotion and letting these feelings of compassion and wholeness come. And so really, really honoring the, sh- honoring the shadow isn't necessarily about making us bad or wrong. It's just about honoring our wholeness. And when we can be in the wholeness of ourselves, we're much more able to be in the wholeness of someone else. When we can't hold our own challenges, we often project and judge someone else for their challenges. Absolutely, which is beautifully said. So take us through your, what what are certain rituals that you are committed to on a daily basis that keep you embodied through both the mind and the body and then even more so the soul? Mm. Well, first thing when I wake up in the morning, I turn over and I come into child's pose with my forehead on the bed and my arms extended and I breathe deeply into 10 things that I'm deeply grateful for. So not like a grocery list of, you know, I'm grateful for my house and my job. And so, like, I really breathe into and feel that in my body. The other thing is just to move. So to really make time to move and to, whether it's 15 minutes or half an hour, an hour, or two-hour class, but to really make some space to move. The other thing is I love to do gratitude rituals and so it might be a full despacho ceremony but sometimes that's not every day so another thing is just offering a little bit of food before I eat to the ancestors to the earth and gratitude so those are the 
those are some of the rituals that I love to do every day. And what about when you end your day and you say goodbye to that that day? Is is there anything that you would recommend that's a beautiful way to honor that now the day is done and I fall into sleep? Mm. Well, I feel for me in, in this moment, um, the, my favorite thing before bed is to take a bath and mm-hmm. to really allow some moments to to really relax into my body and relax into my being. And so it might not necessarily be that I'm saying a gratitude list. It's not so mind-focused, like, okay, this is what I'm doing. It's more about offering my prayer through the relaxation of my body and just being so grateful and and also just honoring my body. So a salt water, like a a salt bath Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite ways to close the day and 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 a ritual in a way that I don't know that I can actually describe perfectly in words, but if any of us can call up the memory of a really beautiful bath experience, I know you'll understand. <laughs> mm, yes, 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 yes. So if you were going to pick a word for the next year, what would your word be? My word for the year is actually auspicious. And uh, for me, it's this idea that when something really magical and positive and synchronistic happen. It's that I it's the belief system that the universe is not twice given, that it's always the same universe. So when something magical or something that I approve of happens and then something that isn't, you know, that it's still the same universe and operates by the same laws. So for me it's just to greet everything that happens as auspicious, as sent from the divine, as, you know, beyond what my perception of it is. So that's my word, is to really, to be awake in these very auspicious times. And do you find you call on that word and it it serves you in a way that is conscious and unconscious once you declare it and you know it? A hundred percent. Like for me, I just hear the word and it's like, it brings tingles up through my body. Like I just feel like, ooh, something is happening, something is happening, mm-hmm. something's always happening. But it's like, I can just, I can feel like um, like a bubbling spring or like when you're cooking and the water is just about to boil or something is just mm-hmm. about to be ready. And I, and I can feel that. And I would say in my heart, it's my prayer that, you know, we're waking up, that our hearts are opening, that there's... There's this uh, remembering. Koi is based on the idea that to remove it, we remember. And so that's the language that I associate to it. But the, the word calls up this feeling. It's very auspicious. Mm, that's so beautiful. Oh, I have loved talking to you. You are a soul sister. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I hope we meet one day. I think that would be such a great experience. And I just want to let all the listeners know that um, how to find you. So the koya.love is the website, which is Q-O-Y-A dot love, L-O-V-E. And the spelling of your name, Rochelle, is R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E. Last name is S-C-H-I-E-C-E. K. 
Kay. And I want to encourage all these wonderful listeners to Google you because one of the greatest inspiring things that I have loved is watching your videos and your movement and your embodiment. It is a wonderful experience to look at how you move and it will give you that inspiring desire to get up and do movement yourself. So thank you, Rochelle. Thank you so much. I feel so blessed to have shared this time with you. And thank you, everyone that's been listening. I hope and trust that we were able to connect in a way that will serve and encourage you on your journey. And I so look forward to, yes, definitely, Laura, dancing together and meeting in person one day. I would love that. And thank you for all the work that you do to have these conversations that matter and support people on their journeys and, and feel good naked. Yay, yay, thank you, and you complete you. Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us live again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin. 